I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Welcome back. All right. Cool. I didn't hear you clap for the intro, so I was like, did are did you are we total lag? I thought you froze because like no, 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 I clapped. your hands were ah, cool. Okay. We clap at the beginning of the episode because there is a lag and it kind of allows us to line up the recording when we're editing. So it's cool. Yeah. Recording a podcast like overseas kind of thing, there is that lag that makes editing a little bit harder because every so often one of us will start talking at the same time as the other one. Yeah. We're better about that now. Definitely earlier seasons were were rough. Now we just kind of wait to see the other person talk. (laughs) Yeah. We have gotten better. It has been a lot easier to edit them than the early days. Oh, yeah. Plus, you know, early days was like every single um and ah was like, I'm cutting it. I want to sound really polished here. Whereas, you know, now we're a little bit more comfortable. (laughs) Well, yeah, now you don't want to spend like two hours editing the thing. So it's just like, screw it. Oh, two hours was an easy one. Yeah, I swear I spent a day one time. Really? Oh, man, I didn't know that. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. I think (laughs) the first ones I definitely remember spending probably at least an hour if not more but they were also long if the the longer like it's an exponential thing like the longer you go on an episode or a video or whatever it like exponentially increases the time like if you have a 10 minute video you might spend an hour on it and you're done so but like if it's a 12 minute video it could go up to three hours you reckon how does that work i i don't know that's just been my experience that's your observation fair enough i don't know they all just feel like they go on forever (laughs) So yeah, there was something from the last episode when I was editing it, speaking of, uh, you didn't sign off with the see ya. Normally you're like, see ya. That's insane. What did I say? I, I think it was, I don't know. I think you said like, catch you later. Catch you something. later. Hey, I'm mixing it up. Don't judge. Catch you next time. <laughs> I know. You're all, you're all grown up now. I tell you what, every time we start an episode, I still have the like urge to say g'day and that like. I just rarely say that in real life, but for some reason, put a microphone in front of me and hit the play button, and I'm like, all of a sudden, it's like I've got to be Aussie or something. <laughs> you, should, you should. It's funny. Who cares? It's like, g'day, g'day. I, I don't know. Own it, you know, blast yeah. it, whatever. Fair enough. Cool. I think last time we kind of punted on some of the technical bits, and since we probably have a, a technical audience, we should we should spend no delay and get get right into those bits absolutely building an electron app for laravel developers absolutely so first and foremost let's give a shout out to marcel and his course uh for building desktop applications with electron absolutely i definitely got a copy of that and got in and probably watched the first the section but you know just kind of how to get up and running and started and you know download things with uh you know tailwind and electron builder and all these things and fortunately you know i was familiar enough with node to kind of understand project setup and and some of those prerequisites um you know if not you might need to get a little spend a little time getting familiar with that you might not be able to get in there as quick but one thing i did do in the very beginning is i actually didn't follow kind of the view electron app okay i didn't follow the view template like project template i just was like regular classic electron you know app no kind of front-end framework so to speak yeah because i thought oh we're just going to copy the workbench and we've already have all the html and we already have all the you know javascript and that was again very quickly apparent that like 
it wasn't going to work that way. Like it could, but we were going to have to come up with like our own little process communication to like share code snippets when they reacted or changed, you know, when yeah. you mess with the UI. Like you needed a way to kind of refresh sections of the page. Yeah, well, the the web version is Blade and Alpine. And yeah. obviously and like we can't page use refreshes. Blade. And full page refreshes, yeah. So we can't really use Blade in this. I mean, I'm sure you probably can, but we didn't use Blade with this. And, yeah. you know, there was a, it was a temptation to use Alpine purely for it, but I find that... Which we do on the web. Which we, yeah, on the web it works great, like when you combine it with like a server-rendered app. But I just find that when I'm building like a full, you know, SPA-style app, there's just so much things about Vue that... I don't know. It's just where I'm comfortable, where I know how to how to do things. So switching to Vue made things a whole lot easier from my perspective. And it was awesome that you were familiar because I'm actually not that familiar with Vue. Um, I've used it a few times on different projects, but I've I've never really, honestly, I've never really fully adopted it on projects. And I think most of that is they're not new. You know, it's kind of like the frog in water situation. The frog in water. Oh, like you put a frog in water and you, you know, slowly, you know, turn up the heat, you you boil the frog. <laughs> That's dark. But like, if, obviously, if a frog jumps or you threw a frog in hot water, it's going to jump right out. Like this, this is ridiculous, oh, you know. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yep. I haven't heard that expression. So it's, it, you know. Oh, I thought we said that at one point or it's in the no. book or something. I mean, I've said spanner in the yeah. works. <laughs> spanner. Yeah. Did you see my PR the other day and I put spanner in like the. No. Oh, I was kind of oh. hoping you would catch that. In one of the uh, branch names or something, I was like, add spanners or something. Oh, nice. Because nice. we were we using the wrench icon or yeah. something. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So back back to the frog and water, no view scenario thing. Like, you know, view wasn't even part of the Laravel framework when I first built LaravelShift.com, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was coming. Yeah. But like, it wasn't in there. So... It's just something that half the site, you know, just never used. And I know you, when you started getting involved, helping me with like pages on the site and new sections and like the subscription dashboard, for example, you know, we talked about that, but it was just kind of like at that point, then you have so much inertia going in the direction of not view. It's kind of like, well, I don't want this one section just to be view and then I can't support it because I'm not familiar with view yet. Yeah. And so just for a little backstory there, like. I had never really full on adopted it. Like I'm familiar enough with it, I can work my way through it now, but yeah. I'm glad that you were comfortable with it because that allowed us to really say, "Hey, you work on cuz you're like I don't know anything about electron apps, like I don't know, I don't know that much about, you know, Node and how all this works and you know, I hadn't watched the video course or whatever and it's just kind of like Yeah. Well, perfect. You help me out with this view stuff and I'll work on kind of this background stuff and here we go. Here we go, indeed. We had to, uh, as I said, convert the Blade and Alpine stuff to view. The thing that was really interesting with Electron, it kind of runs as like two processes, right? Like, I don't know if it's technically two processes, yeah. but there's two sides of it. There's this like background process that, you know, that's where you set up the menu items and all your events get fired in there you can subscribe to. And then you've got like the web part of it, which for all intents and purposes feels exactly the same as designing for the web. 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, and that's kind of the selling point of Electron, right? Yeah. Um, and then you've just got this like IPC protocol to send events backwards and forwards between these like two sides of it. Yeah, inner inner. I think it's inner process communication. Inner process, yeah. Inner inner inter process. Inter process. Yeah. So from the view side, it's just you know subscribe to a couple of events when you need to do things, and yeah, the rest of it's pretty pretty standard web stuff. It surprised me how easy it was to do um but i also had the benefit of you going in and setting up the template like setting up the boilerplate and and all the electron side yeah. of things you basically just gave me like a blank slate web page to build so i think the separation of these two processes it, it, it is a little confusing in the beginning because i felt like name wise like file wise they called it you know, background JS. And then of yep. course your front end stuff was just like app.view. Yeah. But then the documentation would say, you know, your main JS file and and then a renderer process, right? So those yeah, were kind of right. the two terminals. So it's just sometimes you had to remember that. And again, that that might be second nature for an electron developer or whatever, but like that was a little bit of a jump sometimes. I'm like, wait, 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 which one's the main process yeah. again? Is, is that the one running like that we're using? Is that the main? Yeah, because depending on your perspective, the front end might seem like the main part. So Yeah, that's our main window. You know, that's yeah. our that's our main application. So yeah, there was a little, sometimes there was a little confusion there. But anyway, what we're calling the background JS file was, yeah, the thing that kind of booted all of your application at it launched the main window of your app that then would load view and everything else. And that would be kind of the one that could directly talk to the system and could directly talk to node and, you know, do whatever you needed to do. For example, in our case, like fire off system commands to run, you know, the Docker build. But as far as that IPC, like it definitely made things pretty smooth. Like again, being kind of an iOS developer in the past, I was familiar with kind of, event callbacks and so forth like that or anyone really that's written javascript is is going to be more familiar with event callbacks but like sometimes it was a bit awkward because certain things would be triggered by the background process for example like selecting something from the app menu mm -hmm. which you would then need to call the front it was like a three-way handshake you would like yeah. call you know, the front end or, or view for us. And you would say, okay, hey, this event was fired. And then view would have a listener for that event and then send another event giving yeah. kind of <laughs> some data back to the back. So maybe again, maybe for a, a full-time Electron developer or something like that would be silly. They wouldn't do it that way. Maybe there's a better way to do that. But like, that's just kind of the way we were doing it because it's, you know, naive and it was simple and it, it did work. Yeah. Provided you weren't doing anything synchronously. That was the other aspect of this that was really fun was yeah. like you had to be really careful not to do things synchronously unless you just really needed to and could trust, you know, that isolation in, in that process. Because if you try to do something synchronously between the render process and the background process, a lot of the times you'd end up with crashes, even if it worked in development mode. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty nasty. I remember testing that you know, on some different platforms when we actually started making the builds. And I mean, it would just freeze, freeze, freeze. And it was like, gosh, this never froze for us on the Mac. So then you'd think, oh, is it a Windows thing? Or, you know, is it a Linux thing? And it's it's tough. And like the whole kind of interaction with Docker as well adds like a third, you know, process 
to the mix. Yeah, it is kind of a third process. So you've got like the front end saying, you know, to the to the back end, run the build, and then the back end saying to Docker, cool, you know, spin it up, run it, and then it's sending back output, which goes to the background, which then goes to the foreground. So yeah, having to travel or push that data all the way through the system you know, definitely creates its own challenge. It's still not 100%. Like some of the output coming back, I've seen on occasion, even on my own machine, kind of get a little out of order with the async, you know? Yeah, it's like a bit of a race condition or something. Yeah. So to that point, though, um, yeah, that is kind of a third layer. So the way we decided to kind of package all this up was instead of trying to like hook into someone's, you know, installed version of PHP, we just need a little more control of that for the workbench. Like it's not just PHP, like shift is not just PHP. There's underlying systems and underlying tools that it, you know, depends upon and to kind of have you have all those dependencies, you know, would have been a nightmare. So yeah. Like even things like, you know, versions of grep between like, you know, BSD and, and Linux and that, the, you know, the versions of the regular expression engines, all that sort of stuff is. Yeah. Yeah, you really need a controlled environment. (laughs) Yeah, and so the easiest way to do that and and the simplest way, I think, for the user was was to try to just package and bundle that up for them, you know, through something like Docker. So we, or the workbench, kicks off a sub-process from the background uh, to Docker to say, oh, run, you know, these tasks that you've defined, you know, in the UI or whatever play button you hit for a task, it'll kind of pass that through as JSON and it gets parsed by kind of this PHP script and then distributed out to the various tasks and and sub kind of classes inside of Shift, um, inside of Docker, (laughs) you know. Yeah. That's mapped, you know, it mapped a volume to whatever path you set in the UI to kind of make everything work. So it sounds... It sounds a little nuts, um, but it it actually is pretty smooth once yeah. we figured out, you know, some of the protocols for that. And it really makes it smooth for the user, despite what you might think about Docker. Like, you really just need the Docker client on your machine. Like, we take yeah. care of the rest. And we even built into the application, like, hey, see if the Docker client's running. And if it's not, you get a nice little, you know, UI pop-up that says, hey, start your Docker client, you know, boom. Yeah. The whole Docker experience I find pretty good. Like, it's kind of amazing the software you can run just by typing in like Docker run, like compose as Dockerized, for example. So you can just say like, you know, Docker run composer whatever, and it'll automatically yeah. run it in its controlled environment with all the right extensions installed. Yeah, it's it's been very nice to do that. I, I know it's a little slow on some machines. It's it's slow on my own machine every now and then, and, and depending on the size of your project, and maybe there's some things we can you know, hopefully look into or options we might be able to use to to help with that. But yeah, I mean, it's the self-contained of it really is what makes the workbench possible. The workbench would, would be, honestly, it'd be a shit show if you didn't have something like Docker, like yeah. pulling it all together to try to say, oh, you want to run this task? Go install these six dependencies across yeah. these three different you know like okay if you're linux run these commands uh, yeah. if you're this flavor of linux run these. if you're you know uh mac prior to like you know yosemite or something then run these commands post yosemite too bad you can't do it they hate php like you know it's just 
Windows, oh my god, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. If if you're not Windows 10 with like their you know Linux subsystem, like too bad. To that point, like Electron made it really easy to create a cross-platform application, as did Docker. Like those two things combined are amazing, like cross-platform tools. Yeah. It's funny because they both get kind of like the same bad rap, right? Like they both get like, oh, they're slow and they, they're clunky and they're, you know, hard to work with or they don't look good or they, their UX stinks. You know, like it's really funny. Those cross-platform tools always get kind of crapped on, you know, in, yeah. in those same old regards. And and hey, sometimes I'm I'm the one saying those things. But like it it really did from a development side this was one of those scenarios where it really did make a lot of sense and it really made it at least for now a lot easier to bundle this and make it possible like it, it just would not have been possible otherwise which is why of course we started with the web version because it's yeah self-contained it runs on our server we know what it is so and that's what we know and what we're good at yeah and that's the other great thing about electron is it kind of enables you to you know, use a lot of those things. And yeah, like there's certain apps where building it in Electron's just a recipe for disaster. But for something like small and utility-like, like the Workbench, I don't know, I reckon, it's, I reckon it works well. Yeah, and I think so far we've gotten some feedback. Some, fe- some people have said, oh man, this thing's fast. Like I just, yeah, you know, as DHH would say, like relative to what? Like... Mm. You could go download these other tools, you know, build your own little config for, you know, let's say you wanted to format your code and you got 10,000 files like, okay, sure. Yeah, go get PHP CS Fixer, set up also a config file, right, to run your kind of custom version. Or even if you're just trying to run the Laravel one, right, there is no Laravel preset for PHP CS Fixer. There's one that shift is shared, but there's nothing out of the box. So you're going to have to go find all that and put all that together. Yeah. So like, sure, maybe the Docker command that we have inside of the workbench takes 32 seconds. But if you can go out and search the web and download and compose install those things locally, get that config file running the way you like it, test it out, run it again across your whole project in 32 seconds, then by all means, go get it. But <laughs> And to be clear, like workbench is a lot more than just PHP CS Fixer. I think that's like one task. Oh, exactly. Right? <laughs> that's the first. That's the first task of forty. But the point is, there's an option. Hey, what do you want? PSR two, PSR twelve, Laravel custom, honor your own custom format. Yeah. Like, you select that option, and then and then you go. And you know, so to the point of Electron and Docker, like, yeah, it's not a native app, but it's pretty smooth. It feels webby, which we're all familiar with. You you hit the little drop down box like you would on a web page, and then it's powered by Docker underneath. Yeah, hey, maybe a little slow on your system, but like compared to what, you know, compared to yeah. going and finding all these individual tools yourself, like And like there's things like like, you know, when you browse for a file and all that, like it you know, that's interacting with the like Electron API to open up those native file pickers that Yeah, you know, are the ones that you'd be used to on your operating system. So like the the file picker I see on Linux is different than the one you get on Mac. Um it still, yeah, it still delegates to the subsystem. Yeah, all the things that Electron allows you to do, yeah, it just bridges that gap pretty nicely. I think, it, you know, I complained a little bit last time that like, oh, you know, those last six weeks, the last 10%, you know, were hard. But like, in general, I mean, it was it was actually 
pretty easy to hit hit the ground running. And again, I, I give credit to Marcel's course. He had these nice short videos on almost every like on almost every topic that we hit to build an app from start to finish. Like yeah. he had something on publishing. He had something on code signing. He had something on uh, you know, cross-platform building at once. And yeah, maybe there were a few things that might have been just a, a tiny bit dated, but like all the mechanics, all the fundamentals were there. You could spend three, four minutes on one of these short videos and get enough information to to go and then read, you know, a denser bit of documentation or to know, oh, okay, um, I see how he did it. I needed to change this one thing just for us because we're using Docker or whatever. So like, I'm going to go search the web for like Electron plus Docker plus this thing, right? Yeah. So it was a great jumping off point. And then of course, with you involved for the view side, like I didn't really ever have to think of any of that stuff. I didn't have to go watch a view course. You know, you already knew it. So we really did, you know, I think build this probably within... It was functional within like three or four weeks, I think. Yeah, the, the early versions of it were great. Like, Yeah. And then it was probably a month of like going back on that kind of let's make that single task mode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then like we said, the last six or seven weeks was, okay, let's actually try to launch this thing. <laughs> oh, all these things we didn't pay attention to like in-app updates and yada yada. But yeah, I think it's. I think it's pretty cool. So that's kind of the the back end of uh, the workbench. It's an Electron app. Um, Jess wrote the front end, you know, the quote unquote front end part of it and view, and it's all kind of powered by Docker um, to kind of give you that, that one click automation, the power of shift uh, kind of right there on, on your machine locally. Yeah. There's some pretty, pretty magical tasks in there. Like, even though I've seen how they work they still blow my mind yeah i think we should i think i think next episode since we're right around that 20 minute mark um maybe next episode let's talk about some of the tasks and and some of the technical things behind a few of those yeah. i think that would be good because yep. yeah there's there's 40 plus tasks and again these are all the same tasks that are on the cloud-based version but again that power to run but we them added locally. like a bunch of them while oh yeah we also, added what, like, 10 yeah like while we were building the app there was also we wanted to launch with you know quite a few like killer tasks yeah i think we wanted to like truly we didn't want to say like almost 40 we wanted to be able to say like over 40 over 40 yeah and which is soon to probably be like you know over 50 because yeah. we held we actually last minute we held a couple tasks back so anyway we should we should talk about the individual's tasks um to that point if you're if you're hearing this and and you've used the workbench either on the the cloud-based or this new desktop app version uh and you have a specific task man that how's that work or uh you know whatever uh let us know and we'll we'll make sure to chat about those specifically yeah or if there's a task you wish existed maybe Ooh. we can make it happen <laughs> maybe probably could probably <laughs> could all righty well i will see you next time sweet what have i got to say i've got to say see ya see ya show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 38